morning that I can stand here to say that he is God and he is my Lord, that I want to worship him always, that I want to serve him always, that none other that I want to make my stronghold, that none other that I want to make my own, that this is a God that I want to personalize to be my own God, because he has been my refuge, that wherever I am in trouble, I have run to him and I have received my peace. He's a wonderful God. That's why I felt that song, that hymn this morning was speaking to my soul, that it should not pass me by. That when the Lord shall walk amongst his people, it is my prayer this morning, and it's the prayer of my soul, that he shall not pass me, that I shall be counted amongst those that he called his own children. I hope that is also your prayer this morning, that you are counted amongst the saints, that you are counted amongst those who are called the children of God. It is a wonderful thing. So I'm saved this morning, and I bless the Lord for being here and having the honors to stand here this morning to bring to you the teachings and the word of the Lord this morning. Praise be to God. So our topic today is on the suffering servant. We want to talk about the suffering servant. I know when we speak about the suffering servant or when the suffering servant is mentioned, you already know who we are talking about. Sindio, we know who the suffering servant is. It is good for you and that is why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the word is written for all, for teaching, for admonition, the Bible is written for our own good that we shall continue to read this. For us today, we are unlike the children of Israel. We are unlike the Jews. Because when you mention the suffering servant to the Jews, they don't resonate with that. They don't believe in that. Because for them, the leader they were looking forward to, the Messiah they were looking forward to, was a Messiah to save them from the bondage and the captivity of the Roman Empire. They were not looking for a savior to save people from the bondage of sin. But today, because this word has come to us, we know that the suffering servant has had to go through what he went through, had to go through the cross that we shall receive our redemption from sin. So when we speak about the suffering servant, we know what the suffering of Jesus Christ has brought to me and to you this morning. Praise be to God. So I would want us to go straight to the book of uh, Isaiah 53. That is where our word comes from this morning. Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, we shall read the whole of 53 of Isaiah so that we'll get a picture of what we are talking about. Are we on Isaiah 53? We begin from verse 1. That is the reply of the people after Isaiah has given the... People replied after Isaiah had given the prophecy. So the word of God says, Who would have believed... What we now report. Who could have seen the Lord's hand in this? It's back from verse 52. From chapter 52, sorry. It was the will of the Lord that this servant go grow like a plant, taking root in the dry ground. He had no dignity or beauty to make us notice of him. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing that would draw us to him. Verse 3. We despised him and rejected him. He endured suffering and pain. No one would even look at him. We ignored him as if he were nothing. But he endured the suffering that should have been ours. Take note of that. But he endured the suffering that should have been ours. The pain that we should have borne. 
All the while, we thought that his suffering was a punishment sent by God. But because of our sins, he was wounded, beaten, because of the evil we did, we are healed by the punishment he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. All of us were like sheep that were lost, each of us going his own way, but the Lord made the punishment fall on him. The punishment all of us deserved. Seven. He was treated harshly but endured in humility. He never said a word like a lamb about to be slaughtered, like a sheep about to be sheared. He never said a word. He was arrested and sentenced and led off to die and no one cared about his fate. He was put to death for the sins of our people. He was placed in a grave with those who are evil. He was buried with the rich even though he had never committed a crime or even told a lie. The Lord says, it was my will that he should suffer. His death was a sacrifice to bring forgiveness, and so he will see his descendants. He will live a long life, and through him my purpose will succeed. After a life of suffering, he will again have joy. He will know that he did not suffer in vain. My devoted servant with whom I am pleased will bear the punishment of many for the sake of for his sake, I will forgive them, and so I will give him a place of honor, a place among the greats and powerful. He willingly gave his life and shared his fate of evil men. He took the place of many sinners and prayed that they might be forgiven. Praise be to God. That was the fate of our Lord Jesus Christ, that it, it seemed fit for God his Father, that his Son Jesus Christ should go through the suffering for the sake of our sins. Because ourselves, we will not be able to pay for this sin. Because the Bible says in Genesis, when the God declared a curse, when God declared a punishment, he said that when you shall eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. So the punishment for disobedience was death. And because we would not be able to pay this, the blood of animals, the blood of anything, even our own blood, even the blood of Abel, because that's what the Bible says, would not be able to save us from this kind of punishment. So he had to send his own son, who was innocent, that he should come and die for our sins, that we shall receive this forgiveness. Praise be to God. So Isaiah points out those sufferings that the Lord had to go through. So he says and when Messiah would come, he would come in humility. So that is the first thing we will look about this suffering servant. That's what we'll look about Jesus Christ. So the first point about the suffering servant, we will look about his humility. Praise be to God. That will be the point number one. Praise be to God. You see, the Jews did not believe that Christ would come so lowly. The Jews did not believe that Christ will be a suffering servant. The Jews did not believe that this Savior, the Messiah that was prophesied by the prophets of old, will have to go through a lot of pain, will have to go through suffering and die even death on the cross. That was not the Messiah that the children of Israel were looking for. They were looking for a kingly Messiah, the king that will save them from the bondage of the Roman Empire. But for us today, we believe it. Because when you look in the book of Zechariah, if you turn with me to the book of Zechariah and see what the prophet Zechariah prophesied. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah 9.9. 9. 
See, this is a prophecy that the Israelites would not believe, but we believe today because we have received this revelation. Rejoice, rejoice, people of Zion. Shout for joy, you people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He comes triumphant and victorious, but humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Praise be to God. That is the Messiah that is coming. That is the Messiah. See, the plan of God, and, and this is what has confused the kingdom of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of hell has been confused with this because this is not what they were expecting. As the children of Israel were expecting for a kingly Messiah, even the kingdom of hell, the devil himself, would not believe that Christ or the Messiah, the Savior, would come in this form. It was difficult for them to believe that this Messiah, the one that was to save the whole world, the one that was to take away the sins of many, would come in this form. It was not possible. Because if you sit down today to think that someone that is coming to save you from bondage, coming riding on a donkey, coming so lowly, sits with sinners, sits with the poor, he's the one that sits amongst the poorest people of the nation, is the one that is coming to save the nation or is coming to save people from a kingdom of darkness. It was not possible. And it can't even be possible if you reasoned literally, it is not possible. But when you have received the revelation of why he has to come that way, when you receive the revelation of what God says, that when you surely, when you eat from this fruit or when you disobey God, you shall surely die and know what it takes for you to receive forgiveness or what it takes, a sacrifice that you will take for you to be forgiven from that kind of sin. Now you will understand why Christ has to come in this form. Because you don't expect a king to be crucified, right? You don't expect a president today to say that he is dying for the nation. No, he doesn't. So if a king has to save a nation, we have to go to war, right? So that we will be saved. So the children of Israel are expecting a king that will come and go to war with them so that they will win in the battle and defeat the kingdom or the empire of the Roman Empire. But that was not the case. This is a king that is coming so lowly because that is the form in which the Lord had prophesied that he would come. That is what he had said through the prophets. Praise be to God. Let's look at Micah. Micah 5.2 speaks of the same. Still the way he comes, from even where he is coming from, it is not something people would reckon with. It's not something that people would believe that he would come in that way. See what Micah says in 5.2. Micah says, the Lord says, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah, but out of you I will bring a ruler for Israel whose family line goes back to ancient times. Praise be to God. You'd expect a king or you expect a Messiah to be born from the royalty, right? But what does the Bible say? What does God prophesy? What does the God, God promise? God promises that he will even be born and be brought up from a very small city of Bethlehem. A very small city. A poorest city. I don't know what we can equate to today in our normal or the contemporary life today. I don't know which is the smallest city. Or when we are maybe in Nairobi, we can talk of the, the poorest slums in Nairobi. If you are told today that the next president, the fifth president of the Republic of Kenya will come from Dandora, will come from Kayole, will come from Kibera, you will not believe it, right? You have to be a son of who? 
You have to be known. People have to know who you are. They have to know your background so that they will say, ah, this is somebody we can follow. And that is why they did not even follow him. Because when they looked at Jesus, he did not have a kingly background. He did not have a royal background. That is why it was difficult for them even to believe that this was the Messiah that was supposed to come and serve them and save them. But you see, he's coming in humility. That's one thing we are looking about Christ, that he came in humility. That is one aspect about the suffering servant, that he comes in humility. He doesn't come on horses, he comes on a donkey. Very humble, that people do not even recognize, right? That is even why when his triumphant entry to Jerusalem, when people are singing, the leaders of the church are just telling people to keep quiet. Because who is this guy? Why should we have chaos in the city because of this person that we do not know? Because of somebody who is born in Bethlehem, a very small town. It is not possible. You guys have to keep quiet. But he says, if these people would keep quiet today, what will happen? The stones will sing praises, right? So he is able to make things that don't seem normal to us to work out. And that is the revelation we receive. That is the God we serve. That is how he comes and that's how he saves us. It is different from how we would want to see it. It's different from how the world will see it. And that is why even today, the world is not able, or the world is so reluctant to receive this Christ because he does not come in a form that they wish he would come. Praise be to God. He comes in humility. So they believe somebody who comes in such a humble state is not able to save them. But if he would have come as a king, if Jesus or the Messiah would have come from the kingdom of, even from the Roman Empire, you know the Jews would have believed that this is the Messiah. If somebody would have come like a rebel from the Roman Empire and say they were fighting against the Roman Empire, the Jews would have believed that person because that is the person they were waiting for. But now, this man that comes so lowly, this man that is born in a lowly town of Bethlehem, they can't believe in him. But through Christ, through his humility, through his lowliness, he has come and he has saved us. We have received salvation. That today we are adopted in a kingdom that we did not belong. A kingdom that we did not deserve because he came in humility. Because that's how he came in. That is how he defeated the enemy. Praise be to God. And if we look in the book of John 12, we can see what John prophesies there also. From the book of John chapter 12. Let's read the book of John, chapter 12. And he's alluding to the prophecy of Isaiah. John is alluding to the prophecy of Isaiah 53, where they ask, but although, that who has believed this report? Who would have believed this report? But 37 says, Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 37 says, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Praise be to God. He had done so many wonders. 38 says, That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, the Lord, that Lord, who has believed our report, and to who has the arm of the Lord been revealed. Praise be to God. It was revealed to them, but they did not believe it, because that is not the kind of a Messiah, Messiah they were looking for. They were looking for a different Messiah. They were looking for a different king to come and save them. Praise be to God. So the aspect number one we have looked about the suffering servant is his humility. Praise be to God. And to, keep, to put emphasis on his humility, to, 
to put emphasis on his humility, we shall also look in the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. And let's see what Paul says. Let's see what Paul says also about the humility of this suffering servant. Paul says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and came in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Praise be to God. Like he did not consider himself equal to God. He came from God, but he did not consider that. Because if you equate him with anybody, if you equate him with the kings, the governors of that time, Christ was not equal to them. He was an equal of God because he had come from God. This was the son of God that came from above. But when he came down, he chose to... I, I like what Rev said sometimes back on our Thursday service. Like He chose to throw away his reputation. Like There is nothing else you would have done to Jesus because what would you do to him? He had decided to give everything away. Now, what would you take away from this kind of a person? The person that has given everything that has, he has. The person that has given his position in heaven to come down and save us. Look at that kind of humility. That he's equal to God but does not consider that. Because he accepted when God said, who shall we send? He said, I am ready. So that he came to die for us. See, he chose to die for our sins in humility. So I was just emphasizing on that point number one of his humility. Praise be to God. We go to point number two about the suffering servant. Point number two of the suffering servant is his appearance. How did he appear? What was his appearance to men? What did people see about him? That is in verse 2 of 53. We have just read that in 50, uh, 53 verse 2. The Bible says, He, now the Messiah, has no form or calmness. Yeah? And when we see him, there is no beauty or the word literally is appearance. Praise God. There is no beautiful appearance that we should desire of him. Right? Because during his suffering, when he was being beaten, the Bible records that you would not recognize him from his face. The way he was beaten, they pulled off his beard, they beat him, they spat on him, like you could not recognize. His appearance was not the form of a man or a human being. So you would not recognize who he was. And when you take that now to the spiritual perspective, when he came, and that suffering now, when you take it back to the spiritual perspective, is that when he was coming, we expected him to have a kingly or a royal appearance when he comes, but he did not. His appearance was not of royalty. His appearance was of calmness. Like he was the man who was so humble. He's the person that we did not expect. We wouldn't expect if we were Jews. If Christ was to come today and we were Jews today, we would not believe that that was the Messiah that was coming. Because he did not come in the appearance that we wanted. He did not come in the form that we wanted. But he came in a form that God himself chose. Because it's amazing when the Bible records that he calls Jesus the Lion of Judah, right? He is the Lion of Judah, but he's still the Lamb. Are you seeing those two? If you try to put those two together, the lion of Judah, you can imagine what a lion is, then imagine what a lamp is, 
if you compare the two, is there a similarity between the two? But he chose to leave his appearance as a lion of Judah when he is coming to save us because he will come. Now, he will come as a king. A time is coming that Christ is coming back as a king. But at this time, he's coming as a lamp of God in humility, in humbleness. So we do not expect such a king. We do not expect such a Messiah to come and save us. We are looking for something different. And that is why even today, you preach to people. And that is why you go, you tell people about Christ. They do not know about this Christ. It is not that Christ has not been preached. It's because people do not expect the Christ we speak about to be the same as the Bible portrays him. Praise be to God. But if people would receive the revelation of his calmness, if people would have received the revelation of his appearance, coming as a lamb, because he had to come as a lamb to be sacrificed, because you don't sacrifice lions. If he was to come as a lion of Judah in his first appearance, then would we be saved? He would fight for himself. He would not fight for us. He would have fought for himself. But as a lamb, God is fighting for us through this sacrifice of the lamb, that he had to die on the cross so that his blood would be shed because the punishment for our sin had only to take the blood and the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it's only his blood that is pure. It is only his blood that would save us. In the beginning, you would see the prophets, you would see the, uh, the priests. They would do the sacrifice. They all stood every day to offer sacrifices for people's sins. You had to come every year. You know, ilikuwa ni kama license ya kanjo. Yeah, forgiveness of sins was like license ya kanjo. You renew every year. So if you don't renew, kanjo ni azakamu ifunga iyo show. Sindio? So, you see, it was renewed every year. But now when Christ has come as the lamp of God, he has died and the Bible says he is the perfect sacrifice for me and for you, that we have received the forgiveness of sin once and for all. And that is why the Bible records and says that he is now seated in the right hand of... When you read the book of Leviticus, the prophets never sat down. They always stood to offer sacrifices. Why? Because it was never finished. Because if they sat down, that meant you are forgiven, your sins were all gone. There was nothing more for you. But now that he has come, Christ has come as a perfect sacrifice. He has died as a lamp of God. A perfect sacrifice for forgiveness of sin. We have received the forgiveness. He goes back to God and sits back at the right hand of God and says it's all. That is why on the cross he says it's finished. Because truly it is finished. And that's why he goes back to the right hand of God. Praise be to God. You see, when he was being taken to Herod from Caiaphas to Pilate then back to Herod, you see what Herod does? He does something very significant, right? Because even Herod himself does, he laughs and asks him even to perform some miracles. He doesn't even believe. His appearance is not an appearance of somebody who is coming to save. That is why even Herod puts a, a purple robe on him so that at least look like a king. If you are claiming to be a king, at least... Uh, you have to look at least like a king. You wear this robe and at least people will see. Hey, anyway, you... I think with Herod, he had some little understanding of why Christ had come. Eh? If he was coming as a king, at least he was like, hey, why at least you look like a king? Because the appearance that he had come with was not appearance of somebody who was coming to save. It was not an appearance of a Messiah. So he was like, why at least you change and look like a king? At least look like me, you know? Because it was his own that he took off and put it on him. At least look like me. You know, you can't save people like this, you know? 
That is the mentality. That is the mentality. That is the world mentality today. We may laugh at Herod. We may look at Herod and laugh at him and think like, what was he thinking? But that is the literal mentality of every human being today. They are not looking to Christ as a king, as a Messiah that has come to save them. That is why it is difficult sometimes to preach to people to explain to them why Christ had to die on the cross. Because they do not understand why Christ had to die, but it was necessary that Christ would have died on the cross that we shall receive the forgiveness. Because they would ask you sometimes, they have asked me not once, many times, if he came to save, why did he die? But he died so that we will receive resurrection. Because if he did not die, then resurrection would not be there. What hope would we have? But do they have that revelation? His appearance. He did not come in an appearance that we will all want to see. Number three. Number three, another aspect we look about him, it's his sorrow and his grief. The Bible says he's a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, right? Praise be to God. We see that in verse three, verse three of Isaiah 53. He, Messiah Jesus Christ, is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him praise be to god he's a man of sorrow so you might ask the question why was he grieved why was he sorrowful because if you look in the book of luke 19 from verse 41 i will not read that in his triumphant entry to the city of jerusalem praise be to god when christ is approaching the jerusalem the Bible says he looked at the city of Jerusalem and he wept. Why did he weep? Because he knew what was to befall that city. But these people did not know what was to come. Spiritually, he's weeping for us because he knows what will befall us if we do not accept him. If we do not accept Christ as the Messiah. And that is why he's grieved. That is why he's so sorrowful. Even today where he sits and looks at people continue sinning, he is sorrowful for that. Because he knows the end of the way the sinners are taking. That is why he weeps. That is why he is grieved. That is why he remains sorrowful. Because he knows the end. That is why he is sorrowful when he looks at the city of Jerusalem. Like, I wish you knew what was to befall you. I wish you knew what was coming. And truth be told, after he had died, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. But he said... There is no stone that will be left unturned. It wasn't left unturned, but the people of Jerusalem could not believe that. Even that is, you know, the, the priests, when they heard that, what do you mean? This city. It was not possible for them to believe such a thing. Praise be to God. But his sorrow is because of what was to come to us. Praise be to God. Even you, you look also in the book of Mark 14, in Gethsemane, when Christ in the Gethsemane, you see Christ very sorrowfully crying, sorrowfully, because of our sins. We are told that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus himself in verse, said in verse 34, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Why was he exceedingly sorrowful? He was sorrowful for the lost, for those who did not esteem him, for those who rejected him, and for those who turned their faces away from him. Praise be to God. 
That is why Christ is sorrowful. That he has come to save. And the people he has come to save are the people that the Bible is saying they have turned their faces away from him. They do not want to look at him. They do not esteem him. They do not even want to be associated with him. That is why he is sorrowful when he sits in the right hand of God and looks down and see people continue turning their faces away from him, seeing people continue sinning, people continuing in their sinful ways, he is sorrowful. That is what makes the Messiah sorrowful. We have something we can do because when Christ left, he left this ministry to 12 mighty men, also lowly people that we do not believe. And that is why we should take this mantle because how he came and how he did things, it's the same way we should do it. Because you see when he left it, who did he leave the gospel to? He would have left to the elders, to the priests. There were priests of those days, right? But he did not leave it to them. He left it to the nobodies. People that people would not believe that would be the people to turn around the world. But these 12 men, when you read the story of these 12 men from the scriptures, they turned the whole world upside down. That this gospel has reached us today because these 12 men that were known, known the fishermen, the tax collectors, Kina Matthew. I like Kanjo in Mabeshteangu. Can you imagine a Kanjo? Because who believes what was Kanjo? You know, in town, if Ukienda to Tawata, Sisu at Omagari, Unafikanga Tawata, Sama, hey, me a father, police, and Ishike, I can see Kanjo. Sindio. But he left this gospel to such kind. People that you would not believe that he can leave the gospel to. Because his kingdom was not about this flamboyancy. You know, his kingdom was a kingdom that will come into your heart and humble you. Because if that person that does not believe is humbled in his heart and believes that he is the Messiah, it is the same person that can be able. Because the Bible says, to whom more is forgiven, he loves more. Praise be to God. So what do you expect? A good person that had few mistakes was forgiven and that person that you do not want to see or do not want to be associated with that has been forgiven and the sins has been purged away. Who do you want to believe today that will love more? It's the one that has been forgiven more. That is the one that loves more. Praise be to God. So whoever is forgiven little, you would love little because not much has been done to you. You had not gone too far. So sometimes you will believe it's your own. Cindy. When you have wandered away, because that's what the scripture says, that all of us like sheep have wandered away. When you have wandered a little and you could see where you had come from, sometimes you would think it was by your own might. But somebody who had wandered far and wide and the Lord forgave him and brought him back, they would come back here and say, if it were not for God, I would not be here. And that person would love more. Praise be to God. They would love more than the one that has been forgiven a little. Praise be to God. See Paul, what he says again in Romans 9.2. Paul said, I am filled with sorrow and exceedingly filled with grief. Are you seeing the people that are seeing Christ? Are you seeing the people that know who Christ is? Praise be to God. Paul, like Christ now says, he is sorrowful and he is filled with grief. Why is Paul filled with grief? Why is Paul sorrowful? Because he looks at the Jews and like, I'm bringing you the true gospel. I'm bringing you the authentic thing, but you do not believe. Now Paul is sorrowful. Like Christ will be sorrowful even at the Gethsemane, crying until blood comes out of his body, like he would sweat the blood. He's so sorrowful. Can you imagine the amount of sorrow he was going through? 
Can you imagine? Until blood comes out. Because he's thinking, I have come down innocently to die for these people, but they do not believe it. Christ is so sorrowful that he would live today and there are people who still do not believe that he is the Messiah, he is the Savior. That is why Paul says, I'm sorrowful. I'm grieved in my soul. Because when he looks at the Jews, he's like, Christ came, he was your own, he came to die for your sins. But they rejected him. But what does the Bible say? He came to his own. Now we have this because they rejected him. Now that we have received the revelation, it is up to us, it's up to me and you today that we shall take this gospel out there and preach about this Christ. Speak about this suffering servant of Christ. Praise be to God. There's a lot I would want to talk about, about the suffering servant because it is something so dear to my heart. Like, when you think about Christ and what he did, when you think of his position, think of yourself today. Who, like... Picture yourself with Christ, the Son of God. I, I, see, I don't get it. I don't get it. When I picture myself, my background, my family leniency, and Christ, the Son of God, coming from heaven to come and die for me. Like, that's why even the Bible says that who is man that you shall consider him? Right? But who am I that even God will think about me when I think of myself in that position and think of Christ in his divine position with God that he would leave his position, come and die for me? No, it's not possible. No, it's not possible. You see your picture, Aiko. But can you imagine he came? Can you imagine he came and he died because of me? That nobody knew. Other than you people that know me inside here, nobody will know who is this crazy guy that is standing there. Like, but a king in heaven, a God, the maker of the universe and heaven, knows that I'm somewhere, that he has sent his son to come and die purposely and personally for me. He has died for me. He has died for all of us. So I just thank God that he has considered us and he has thought of us. He has thought of me. That is what moves my heart. That is what makes me want to serve this God. That's what makes me want to continue in the ministry of delivering this gospel. Because when I think about that, and I believe it's the love. How much love is that? Praise be to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to bless you this wonderful morning. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for sending your word to us, my Father, Lord. You are a wonderful God. Your faithfulness, my Father, Lord, is unmeasurable, my Lord, because you say that you are a faithful God. Father, even in our unfaithfulness, my Father, Lord, in our lost state, my Father, Lord, you have chosen to die and sent your son to die for us on the cross, my Lord. We thank you and we bless your name, Lord, for the finished work of the cross that has brought us here today. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and believe. Amen. God bless you. God bless you so much. You can say hi to one or two people as we begin our second service.